Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum. At B1Bank.com. Sewers on the Boulevard. We're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. Stephanie Regal is a broadcaster and editor of Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. When the state created the tax incentive program in the early 2000s to attract movie and TV producers to Louisiana, the hope was to turn Louisiana into Hollywood South. Well, 15 years later, more movie and TV shows are shot in Louisiana than in any other state in the country. And a big chunk of those productions have been filmed right here in Baton Rouge at Celtic Studios. The studio is the largest in the state, with seven sound stages totaling more than 150,000 square feet. Blockbuster hits like Twilight, Breaking Dawn were shot there, and the man who's been at the helm since 2009 is here with us today. Patrick Mulhern is the director of Celtic Studios. Patrick, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks for having me. Good to have you here. Well, Celtic isn't just a bunch of sound stages. It's a hub of movie industry activity with office space that's leased by local producers and company that supports the movie industry. One of those companies is Film in Cito. The company is just a few years old but already has produced a surprise hit, God's Not Dead, which was one of the highest grossing films the week it was released in early 2014. The brains and the creative force behind Film in Cito is my next guest, Jared Coates. He's going to tell us about his inspiration for the film and about doing business in Baton Rouge. Jared, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you, Stephanie. Glad to be here. And we have a special third guest with us today, a lady well-known to both of you two. For seven years, she was the director of the Baton Rouge Film Commission and played an instrumental role, along with Patrick and others, in bringing films like Breaking Dawn, Battle of Baton Rouge, and Pitch Perfect to Baton Rouge. Her name is Amy Mitchell-Smith. Recently, Amy did what so many of us dream of doing. She took the plunge, walking away from a great job to branch out onto her own. She now has her own production company, Sienega Motion Pictures. Amy, great to have you on the show. Thanks. It's a pleasure. Well, I'm going to start with Patrick, and we're all going to just visit. Um, but Patrick, tell me right now, what's going on at Celtic today? What, what are y'all filming there? What's being filmed there? And, and what kind of year has 2015 been for the studio? Well, the, the first half of 2015 was pretty amazing. Um, you know, something happened that's never happened in the history of Baton Rouge. We had three scripted television series shooting here. And so um, the, I guess the last of them is wrapping out right now. It's called Underground. Uh, okay. It's about the Underground Railroad, Sony Pictures Television shooting. It. It's going to air on uh, WGN. A lot of good buzz about it. I think the hero location for it was LSU Rural Life. Right, right, right. And so, um, yeah, they're they're sort of wrapping out right now. Um, You know, in Baton Rouge, we also had the Magnificent Seven, which is, you know, a remake of the classic Western. Um, They are still shooting in the area. Um, And so they'll be wrapping out towards the end of the month. Um, They're not actually shooting on the stages at Celtic because they've actually built a, a Western town, which is pretty amazing. Um, and so um, it's been a, a pretty good first half. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, but, uh, you know, again, we're still trying to 
get our footing uh, for the second half of the year and, and heading into uh, 2016. And, you know, and that's, of course, getting your footing because of the, the issues with the tax credits and the changes the legislature made. That's exactly right. Yeah. And, and so we'll visit with the others about that in just a minute. But just to back up for a minute, Celtic Studios is such an amazing place. I was telling somebody about it the other day when I said you were going to be on the show, and they said, don't they give tours there? <laughs> I guess you don't yet, but... We don't get paid tours. We, 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 we do it for groups and for you know, people all the time. I mean, basically, to put it in perspective and, and really put it in perspective, just go to Costco because we're right across the street from Costco. Right. But you have to go as far east as Atlanta to find a larger design build, and you have to go as far west as Albuquerque, New Mexico. So in this area of the country, we, we definitely have the largest right here in our backyard. And what are some of the coolest sets that y'all have built there for movie productions or TV productions? Oh, oh my goodness. Well, um, Give me know, the top funny. three. You know, Tom Cruise said the coolest set that he'd ever been on was one that was built on our Stage 5 for Oblivion. It was this uh, kind of futuristic apartment in the sky um, wow. where they wrapped the entire um, stage in a screen and projected the different times of day. Uh, for this set that looked like something that came out of the iPhone store. It was all kind of, you know, white, metal, shiny, and it was really incredible. And Um, then it's local people here that build it, and it's contractors and vendors and businesses that are also set up in the studios, right? That's exactly right. I mean, it's everything from when the the Twilight uh, movie was here, they had to build the entire Cullen House, all three stories of it on stage four. Um, you know, right now, I'm really impressed with the one they built for Underground. It's a really impressive uh, home. It's where you'd walk right into uh, the Old South. Well, Jared, um, you're very familiar with Celtic Studios. You've done a lot of business out there. And your company produced one of the smash hits of, of early 2014, a, a niche film. I suppose it's, it's fair to call it God's Not Dead. It was released the week before Lent and rose right to the top of the, the charts. It Tell did, us how did. that came about and what that's done for your company. Well, my partner, Lisa Arnold, had uh, a really good friend in church that had actually read the book, God's Not Dead, and uh, had not produced any films at the time. So he had come to her and, and asked, how do I get this film done? So she put him in contact with the distributors, and they put the whole project together. And there was a script written, but when we received it, uh, it was rather large and uh, probably 50-something locations. And I don't think they've ever written a a real screenplay before with all those things that come to mind when you're trying to put together a film project. So uh, collectively, between our producing team and the directors and the writers, we slowly found locations that we could merge scenes and kind of amp up the, the tempo of the film. So... It was a pretty collaborative work, and I think that uh, everyone did a great job, and you know everyone expected it to do uh, well, but didn't know that it would do such do such that an, well. yeah do that that those kind of amazing numbers, you know. So what were the numbers? Um, and theatrically, I think it earned uh, sixty-two million in the box office, and then um, so far, I think with DVD sales, it was number one for a long time, and. Uh, but it's a, it's surpassed over 100 million for sure. And since then, what have you gone on to do in the past year and a half? Since then, we've uh, produced a film called Cage No More, which we are promoting right now, which will be released in January 16, which is a, a film that exposes human trafficking. It's a PG-13 probably film, mm-hmm. uh, so that teenagers could see it, parents could go watch it with their family and discuss the um, real scenario of human trafficking and letting your kids know and 
um, exposing the problem that it is right here in America. It's not just around the world. Well, another filmmaker here, Amy Mitchell-Smith. Hey there. And you, you were at the head of the Baton Rouge Film Commission. What made you decide to leave that and to become a producer yourself, and how's it going? So prior to coming to Baton Rouge, I spent um, a large part of my career over 10 years in New York City. Started off at a company called Miramax Films. And sure. so really where my career started was in foreign sales, selling films like Chicago, Shakespeare in Love, Life is Beautiful, the Scream films, etc. Um, I ended up here on a Katrina Relief project and relocated. So you know, building the film commission was was such a, a point of pride and I, I, I love what we've been able to accomplish here in Baton Rouge. That being said, I always wanted to eventually produce films and and via the knowledge that I gained in New York from foreign sales, acquisitions, distribution, a whole different side of the industry that really isn't something that we see here in Louisiana. Louisiana is very much physically production focused, right. typically because of the tax credits. I think what we all share at this table is a goal to build a more holistic industry so that we're actually developing the content here, it's being produced here, and we're also shaping new platforms for distribution. So it felt like something that was inevitable that I had to do, um, but I still feel so much pride over what we accomplished. Oh, y'all did so much. City. It's fantastic. Absolutely. What what is Sienega doing right now? You have your first so film coming that's out. That's right. That right. So so Zipper is a film that um, we produced with Darren Aronofsky, who's known for Black Swan, Pie, some terrific films. Um, we premiered at Sundance 2015. It stars Patrick Wilson, Lena Headey from Game of Thrones, Richard Dreyfuss, Diana Agron. Wow. And yeah, and we very impressive. Thank you. And we actually were one of about 15 films that were were picked up for domestic distribution at Sundance. Um, Alchemy Entertainment's going to be releasing the film, 25 theaters to start. Unfortunately, we, Louisiana, New Orleans, Baton Rouge are not one of the cities that will be theatrical. The film is going to be theatrical from L.A., New York, Miami, Houston, Atlanta, etc. But everywhere else you'll be able to see it on VOD. So Patrick, he was just on the Today Show with Al Roker a couple days ago. Wow. Heavily promoting the film. It's That's fantastic. I know. It's, it's, you know, it's a different, I would say it's more of a cautionary tale. Sure. Not quite the inspirational type content that... Um, that, that Jared is, is is focusing on. However, you know, there really is an appetite for political dramas. This is sort of a, a House of Cards type film. Okay. And we find that we're quite lucky that this film that is so politically oriented is coming out during the election cycle. Absolutely. Beyond that, I'm developing a lot of content, um, especially with some filmmakers that are based here in Louisiana. You have Mary Kornhauser, who is the only writer on HBO's Treme. We're going out with a, a television project soon. Um, Angela Tucker, another New Orleans great. We're working on a, a dance film together. Zach Godshaw, who's another wow. Baton Rouge-based filmmaker. I think it's very important that we're actually cultivating the content here, mm -hmm. at least raising some of the monies here, but then able to forge those relationships with the agencies, managers, studios, etc. So that that's, that's what the program is really about, building something that sustains. So when I hear these stories, you know, I mean, you look at this tremendous, all this exciting, you know, growth that's going on, um, the successes that we've had over the past 15 years, and it looks like the legislature just pulled the rug out from under us in the summer um, when, they, when they changed the, the laws regarding the tax credits. 
What has this done to the industry? I know, Patrick, you've been very vocal about it throughout the session, you certainly were, but now, six weeks into this new fiscal year, what are y'all hearing? Well, I like to tell people that it's, you know, like in biological terms, it's a delicate ecosystem that we have here where you have to have big projects. Like we had Fantastic Four and they booked tens of thousands of room nights, you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, but it's also a, a system where we need smaller independent films because they're not all Fantastic Four. They're not all Oblivion. They're not all Pitch Perfect, you know. We need crew working, period. And it doesn't matter if they're working on, you know, one of Jared's shows or one of Amy's. You know, we need people working all the time. We need people running equipment. Um, it's just like the construction industry. I mean, again, you need people building houses when they're not building giant buildings or stadiums or whatever. You have to have a balance of both, you know. And so what happened, the, the legislature did something with two minutes left on the clock in the session um, that they didn't really understand what it was they were passing. They felt like they were cutting the program down to $180 million by putting what we call a, a back-end or redemption cap on it. So basically it means the state will continue issuing credits all day long, but they may not honor more than $180 million in a given year. So it's like they're so. writing a hot check, sort of. Or yeah, maybe in, writing a hot in, check. In, in, in a sense, if they're not going to honor what, they, you know, what, what the filmmaker had signed up for. And so that causes all kinds of problems. It's a kind of a waterfall effect. If you're the taxpayer who buys these tax credits, you lose a little bit of confidence in not knowing if the state would redeem it or not. Um, and so, again, when you start looking at the, the independent filmmaker who's borrowing from a lender, the lender may have lost a little bit of confidence in Louisiana. So that's what we've been focusing on for the past couple of weeks and months is just really trying to restore confidence in the market and restore confidence in, in um, independent filmmaking. Um, which what actually, about the big guys? I want to get to the independents in just a second. But what are you, is Disney still saying they're not going to come? Is Universal holding back? What's you know, it, the I buzz? Think the, early on, it was all about they needed questions answered. And luckily, or, or you know, thankfully, the Department of Revenue, Tim Barfield, did an amazing job. Um, Chris Stelly at the State Film Office at LED did an amazing job of kind of putting out rules of like, okay, this is how we're going to administer it. This is how it's going to work. Because no, uncertainty is the, the biggest enemy in the film industry instability, that's what you can't have. You've got to be able to have something that's bankable and reliable. Sure. And that's what got called into question early on. Some of those questions have now been answered, or a lot of those questions have now been answered. So now things are starting to pick up and people are starting to turn back around. Um, and, and, you know, again, for the independent filmmaker, there are some jewels that got stuck into that uh, bill. There are some things they didn't realize that they were, they were putting in there. I mean, to be honest with you, it is to the point where, if done correctly, the state of Louisiana could basically pay for half a film. I'm not uh -huh. saying that's a good thing, but as I am saying it's probably a limited time offer. And, and if people are interested in investing in films, like hmm. now is probably the time to be looking at it. Well, as an independent, Amy, Jared, what are y'all feeling from this? How is this affecting your ability to finance your productions? Well, what's interesting, I think, is for people that are in our boat, we're raising money in Louisiana, but we're also raising money outside of Louisiana. Now, the reality is for a lot of your equity sources that are Louisiana-based, for example, our, our funding source on, on Zipper, um, you know, Zipper was their first equity play. Prior to, though, they had gotten involved in the business by buying tax credits and then becoming a tax credit financier. They have, you know, their, their roots are deeply, deeply, deeply ingrained in the Louisiana market. So it seems like for the companies that are that are entrenched in Louisiana, that have mm -hmm. a footprint in, in vast other industries across Louisiana, 
they're in it for the long haul, and I'm finding that they aren't as concerned about what's happening. Frankly, even if there's not, if the state isn't buying back the credit for the next year, then they don't have to compete against the state on some level. So it hasn't, the conversation hasn't been that alarming on that front. Now, you know, when I target my New York-based investors, my Georgia-based investors, there, you know, there's some questions most certainly. And I would say, um, you know, perhaps for these, these um, tax credit uh, financiers who have footholds in many different markets, um, you know, it, it, will be, it will be telling to see what, what business looks like for them in the future. Who invests in independent films? Who do y'all go to? <laughs> just about anyone. Your rich uncle. If, you, if um, you can write a check, I don't care how much it is. Just write the check. High net worth, very entrepreneurial, um, willing to, you know, to, to take a calculated risk. You know, but there, there are mechanisms in place to where you can reduce the risk for your investor, not only by way of our generous tax credit program, but if you have distribution guarantees in place, sure. if you have foreign pre-sales in place, then you can actually show your investor that, no, you, you might be at a 20 to 30 percent, you know, risk type scenario. Um, you know, that's not to say that an investor isn't going to fully fund a project. Um, however, there are there are instruments in place via distribution agreements that can help to offset you that You had risk. mentioned before the show um, when we were chatting about the need for a local funding source and some efforts to try to develop that. What are y'all working on with respect to that? Yeah, no, no question. Um, We've been really good or gotten really good over the past decade or more at facilitating production here, but it's not necessarily our production or it hasn't been traditionally. It's been, you know, people come here from out of state or from anywhere in the world. And I mean, we've gotten so good at it that we've had, you know, what, two years in a row, we had two films that got nominated for Best Picture, you know, the the Toronto Film Festival just announced its lineup yesterday. And there are five films that shot in Louisiana that are going to the the Toronto Film Festival. Yeah. So... We are really good at, pro- at helping you produce your film, okay? But what we're talking about is content, like producing our own content. And there's a, there's a real sea change, I think, that's about to happen. And Jared is at, at the leading edge of that, that sea change, you know? Um, basically, if the funding source is coming from Louisiana, then you can sort of be in control of that content or what it gets the green light, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, people talk about liberal Hollywood, and I don't want to get into those <laughs> kinds of politics. But I do think that if Duck Dynasty taught us anything... It's that there is a, a real thirst, a real demand for, I guess, wholesome family content or, you know, for middle America. I mean, I really feel like it's almost like red state entertainment is what I call it, <clears throat> you know. And so, you know, there's no question that, that Jared is kind of at the forefront of that. I mean, the, the success of God's Not Dead, you know, proved that easily, you know. And so I get the feeling that we're on the, the leading edge of something, whereas in Louisiana, if we start funding our own content, we could sort of like start changing what content is out there. So available. who's, who's so. working on well, developing this funding well, source? I think we're all, we all do that ourselves, too. As, uh, as far as my partner Lisa and I on faith and family type films, we definitely uh, focus on certain subjects or topics or people send us scripts all the time, that kind of stuff. But we are always developing developing content and exactly right now with the the season that this country's in and the things that we're facing as a nation uh we think about that all the time and we have a project that we're putting together right now that would uh really be a crucial time timing uh, in our nation to come out so that's one of the projects we're working on right now and to get back to what you're talking about i think that you know if one is in a position to consider 
investing in film, mm -hmm. just like any investment, do you put all of your resources behind one project or is the smarter play to back a slate of projects, right? And while one strategy is like Jared is talking about, to have a very specific brand and genre that you're known for, another concept is to have your drama, your television, sure. your family friendly, right? So that you've got, if you look at the studios, you know what I mean? There's a diversified slate of content there. And I think as we are able to pull our resources and our intellectual properties together, um, you know, there, there is a way to help to offset risk by way of a diversified slate for Louisiana investors. And also to, to introduce those investors <coughs> to investors outside of the sure. market. Because another major goal of this program has always been to pull more sources in, not just for the season that you're filming and then you're gone, but really we're, we're trying to generate more interest and more economic activity in the entertainment sector in Louisiana. Yep. Film's a great way to do that. How do we in Baton Rouge stack up compared to the other cities in the state? New Orleans, which I suppose still gets the lion's share of, of business, and Shreveport, which I know did well after Katrina. And um, Well, if you ask Movie Maker Magazine, they ranked us as the number one small city in the U.S. to, to live and work in the film industry, which is a huge honor, I think. That is you know? huge. And New Orleans was number two. Um, but anyone will tell you New Orleans is busier. There is more going on down there. It is a bigger city, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so... Um, you know, again, everything from the airports. I mean, we need a direct flight to Los Angeles so bad. You know, that's something that we've that's been working on. That's a key factor. That's, that's, that's key. Yeah. And so, question. and you know, again, you might be able to get different looks. Um, but, you know, again, not every, you, you don't need the, the big backdrop of the Big Easy for every single film. You know, so that's why, you know, we've been able to kind of carve out our own thing here. Yeah, there are union issues. Uh, Shreveport is a production center. New Orleans is a production center. And, you know, 36 other cities nationwide are production centers. The unions kind of salt to it. They don't think that Baton Rouge deserves that status. That's a long conversation probably for another day. But if we ever had kind of a level playing field, there's no question that Baton Rouge would take off and be even busier. Do we have the talent here, both in terms of the, you know, not only the acting talent, but the but the post-production people, the sound people, the audio engineers, the grips, the everything. I think the good, the good thing about if you're focusing on cultivating Louisiana above the line and your writers and directors live in Louisiana, the likelihood of them posting in Louisiana, taking on that, you know, 20-some-odd weeks or whatever your post schedule looks like, is far more likely to happen here. We've got the facilities. It's just, at least in my experience, if, if my filmmaker is Los Angeles-based, you know, the post-production process is months and months. Now, do you want do you want to be in your incentive state? If it's home, of course you do. Sure. Otherwise, you know, in, in my experience, we've definitely had projects that have gone back to Los Angeles, to the UK, that sort of thing to post. I do think we have the the resources here. We have a mix, pretty. We have a pretty good mix, but um, yeah, our, our, one of our major uh, backing groups and uh, partners that are are with us on the whole print and advertising side and marketing, um, they are out of New Orleans as well. So, And they're very involved, but we shoot everything here. Mm -hmm. So it's better, it's, it's better for us uh, on our smaller productions to actually shoot in Baton Rouge than in New Orleans. We, it feels like the markets are, we're just, we're sister cities. Right. I mean, certainly if you're, if you're on the side where you're producing, then... There's something to be said for bringing resources out of New Orleans, but without question, the film friendliness of Baton Rouge, this market will go above and beyond to service a show. And dollar for dollar, there's so many things that are just 
cheaper in Baton Rouge. Sure. That's fair to say. You can close streets. You can own parts of the city um, in a way that, you know, there there's just mechanisms in place to where the city as a whole wants production to, to succeed. Is there a danger and to that come back. get so big? That, because just watching the three of y'all talk and just seeing how close-knit, obviously, mm-hmm. the community is. Everybody knows everybody. And, and everybody works so much together to help each other. Is there a danger in growing so big then that you lose that and it becomes more cutthroat? Hollywood sort of looks at us as that it's one big city. But, but you know, we have our own issues between Baton Rouge and New Orleans, but they look at it as one big area, you know? I mean, that it's just, um, oh, you're going to, they say, well, they'll say, oh, I'm going to shoot that in New Orleans when they're actually going to Baton Rouge, you know, but they look at it as just one big city. It's a Dallas-Fort Worth type scenario. Not to mention, again, if you're an independent producer now, you know, we're all in different boats here. But I will say that, you know, unless you have a development fund, a fund that will sustain you through the year, the the reality of being a producer is, you know, you spend all this time developing a project. It could take months. It could take years. Okay. You find the funding. Then you get a fee as a producer when the project goes, all right? Then the project does well. Well, if you're smart, you've made some good back-end deals, and you're going to see, you know, you're going to see a tremendous gain from the success of the project. However, what I'm getting at is you have times where you're in development, you don't have a producer fee coming in, so maybe you're calling your colleague, you know, maybe Jared's working on one of my films, maybe I'm working on one of his. Mm -hmm. That's the reality of having skill set to where... You know, I was able to do scouting for Hap and Leonard, the Sundance TV show, for a couple of months. That goes back to Patrick's point of why you constantly, the ecosystem of having large-scale projects, indies, we all, they're completely entrenched. And even on Zipper, the crew base, just because of the season that we shot in, I mean, we had keys that had worked on these 30, 50 million dollar shows that came and keyed our you know, $4.8 million movie because it was the right season, right? And we, sure. we weren't competing with a bunch of giant shows, so we had an A-list crew. Quite lucky we were. It sounds like so much fun. I love, I love hearing about it, and, and I wish we could keep going on, but that's all we have time for today. Patrick Mulhern, Jared Coates, and Amy Mitchell-Smith, it's been so much fun to have y'all on the show today and to talk about the movie industry. Y'all are doing great things for the Baton Rouge economy. And it's good to know there's so much talent and drive right here in our own backyard. Thank you all so much for taking the time to join us today on Out to Lunch. Thanks for having us. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Patrick Mulhern, director of Celtic Studios, Jared Coates of Film in Cito, and Amy Mitchell-Smith of Cienega Films. You can find out more about Celtic Studios, Film in Cito, and Cienega Films by following the links on our website, wrkf.org and itsbatonrouge.la. Today's show is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's serves lunch daily from 11 to 2, dinner nightly, and brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Facebook page. These photos are taken by Ken Stewart. And Mitch Foreman wrote and performed all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's new record, Puzzle, is out now. You can find out more about that on mitchellforeman.com. You can get this show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. And you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's batonrouge.la and wrkf.org. 
Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for It's Baton Rouge.LA and WRKF 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on It's Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum at B1Bank.com. Thank you.